Hi, welcome back. Michelle Sparks with you, Illuminating Anorexia, Eating, Self and Body Issues. Great to have your company. Today I want to speak about getting beneath the binge. Binging is such a problem for us, isn't it, when we are struggling in the area of disordered eating. And it's quite common, I hear quite commonly from people I'm working with, they just can't understand why they are binging. Now, I'm going to speak here about when a person is uh, eating regularly and eating sufficient quantities. In other words, they are actually eating, they're not uh, restricting or skipping meals, but they still find themselves binging. And this causes a great deal of distress. It may lead to compensation, compensatory uh, behaviours. For some people, it does not lead to compensation. It just, in terms of behaviours, it just leads to lots of bad feelings. What's important is to find out what's going on for you in this space. So what I teach in the 4x4 and, and what I certainly work with on an individual level is helping people get beneath the binge and get into explore what has been going on in that situation and usually it's not just that situation. There is often um, a number of precipitating interactions or things that have happened during the day. It's really good to look at what's going on for you. Typically, you know, I'll give you a couple of examples. That might be the easiest way to work with this. So, for example, I'm thinking of two different people that I'm working with at the moment. One, um, coming home from work and binging that night. In fact, binging in the wee hours of the morning of that night. But if you retraced that person's steps throughout that day, you would see that actually the eating wasn't exactly to plan. And you know, you do need to eat and plan to eat mechanically and methodically for quite some time. It's like providing an external structure to um, give you that, to, to ensure that you don't binge according to the physiological or the starvation triggers that are obviously going to set you up to binge. So this person ate brekkie, ate uh, morning tea, ate something for lunch, but the afternoon got pretty tough and there were work issues going on. Work has been a challenge. Um, there were interactions in that, there were demands, expectations. What I heard in this person's story was that they were putting their own needs last and partly that was the structure of the workplace, but partly it was also their own um, propensity to dismiss their needs and put everyone in front of themselves and then as they were journeying home they snacked a bit more than they you know they snacked on something they thought later was not the best idea it, it um, was not the most nutritious of snacks so there was you know as you as you unpack and explore what's going on for you before a binge before those moments that are particularly problematic, you can often find there's a whole lot of little bits of information, interactions, self-experience, how you're feeling, what you're doing in response to that. So for instance, this person 
was feeling a bit hungry after work but I think it was more if I look and unpack the situation which I did with this person I think it was more what was going on just at a you know moderate level under the surface for most of that afternoon there was some stuff building up and it really centered if I think about it it really centered in that person's lack of um, being able to stand up in a strong place of um, asserting her worth and value to be able to say look I you know to, to make some appropriate boundaries on the work situation to communicate assertively about her needs and and to find a compromise not necessarily to get into conflict but just to find a compromise to do things that were going to be helpful to her and also to the work that was required so finding that win-win kind of situation anyway the you know things continued to unfold a situation unfolded further as this person got home and again it was really around a dismissal of um, this person's needs something that she had asked to be done was not done and in actual fact things that she desired to see happen that night did not happen and in, and again her desires and her needs really took a back seat and I don't want to go into obviously all the dynamics there but what I do want to say is as we tracked what was going on for her and really just took a moment to experience let her experience those feelings have a have a re reflection about what was going on in her thinking where was she feeling that what was happening for her where did that leave her it became much more evident to her that her binging was really not this um, really scary out of control thing but something that actually made sense in the context of emotional hunger and why that is helpful is because you can then make you can it, it does a number of things it helps you see that uh, your situation is not as out of control as you may initially feel that's really helpful because it gives you it puts you in a, posi a, a position it empowers you to think about okay what could I have maybe done differently what were my alternatives what are some of the deeper issues that I might need to be working on here such as this propensity to dismiss my needs and that's that's a big one of course that's all around a person's sense of self and that's not something that you you can just arrive at cognitively and and decide that you are going to feel better about yourself and treat yourself better it's not just the cognitive area that needs to be challenged it's also the experiential and the emotional part of that journey so even to be in a relationship with a counselor with a coach and have modeled back to you your worth that you are worth your needs are, are valid that your wants are worth time you're worthy of a listening ear and empathy and understanding you're worthy of the time it takes to think about some of these problematic situations and to work out other ways of managing those even practical ways such as possibly having some nutritious snacks snacks that are good for you that you feel good about that you have 
at the ready if you are feeling a bit peckish in the afternoon and you decide, yep, I do want to have something right now. Great, no problem. You know, it's really important about breaking down what's going on for you and also looking at the physical and the emotional and the situational uh, things that are around you and also the build-up of what's been going on in that day. Um, in another situation, uh, very typical for people who binge is weekends and nights. They are often that time when there's less structure, when the day, you know, whatever's been going on in the day, particularly if you are not good at um, asserting yourself and walking in a place of value, which is pretty much the signature of people who are struggling with disordered eating behaviours. That's usually why we're struggling, because we are not able to stand up in our worth and value. We may not, we may not even have a good grasp of those things. That's pretty much the signature of disordered eating. I believe it's the primary need for a person with disordered eating. It's not, there's practical skills and tools that need to be taught around um, worth and value, but I really believe the experience of oneself as worthwhile and as valuable is absolutely the foundation to freedom because once we start to experience ourselves as worthwhile and valuable, so our beliefs shift, our experience shifts, we start to do things that reflect that and guess what? We start to spiral up. It's a positive feedback loop. Whereas when we are feeling we have no, our value is low, our beliefs about our value are pretty uh, negative, critical. We don't think we have a lot of value. We act out of that. We get responses from people and the environment that actually tend to um, reinforce our low value and our low self-esteem. So we can be spiraling up in a positive self-worth spiral or we can be cycling down, spiraling down. And so it's that whole um, combination of, you know, and it, when we talk about emotional um, triggers, emotions are not just your your feelings. Emotions actually capture the whole idea of your cognitive and feeling and self-experiential states. They're, they are also in your body. They're your, they're, you know, your emotions have a physiological component. They have a feeling component. They have a cognitive component. They have a meaning component. And um, I'm personally, I'm trained in emotionally focused counseling. And it's a way of working with people that I really enjoy in this space. It's not the only modality that I draw from, but I really do enjoy it because it honors the place of emotions in a person's uh, recovery. And that has a, that's not just, as I said, their, their feelings. It's their, the thinking that is tied up with those feelings. It's a self-experience that is um, like the clay holding those feelings and thoughts. It's the meaning given to those experiences. And that is drawn out of life experience, past and, and more recent life experience. So I think in order to get under the binge, to get beneath the binge, it's really important to track what's going on for you. And I'm going to come back in a moment and look at that second example 
and give you some thoughts about what you can do to help you get underneath the binge. Okay, coming back soon, travel well.